guys, welcome to the New Dimension Podcast. This is home and this is where you belong. We're super excited to have you here and we want you to sit back and enjoy what God has in store for you today. Welcome! Hello my lovely listeners and welcome back to another episode of The Life of David. If you're listening in for the first time, my name is Coincilla, I'm your host and I'm super excited to have you here. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about David as a fugitive. And this um, aspect of David was a large chunk of his life. That's why it's going to be divided into at least two episodes. It's a lot. David as a fugitive is a lot. But I promise you that you're going to love it and you're going to enjoy it. So sit right back. And listen to what we have for you today. God bless you. Before I proceed, I want to first apologize in advance if my voice is sounding a certain way or not in a way that you're used to. I don't feel very well and I think that is reflecting a little in my voice. But this year, I'm really working on consistency. So that whether it's convenience for me or it's not convenience for me, unless there are like situations absolutely beyond my control, the podcast will be dropped every single Monday. So help me God. Amen. So David as a fugitive um, is gotten from like the storyline of David as a fugitive is from 1 Samuel 21 to 30. First Samuel 21 to 30. And we see the different levels of trials that David had to undergo. My fellow Nigerians will call it Shege because David saw Shege. And in today's um, episode, we're going to be looking at First Samuel 21, 22, and 23. We're going to be looking at First Samuel 21, 22, and 23. Before I proceed, who is a fugitive? How do you define a fugitive? A fugitive is someone who has escaped from captivity or is in hiding. For someone in hiding. And synonyms of the word fugitive are escaper, runaway, deserter, refugee, absconder. So after um, our last episode of Jonathan helping David and whatnot, David ran away because Saul was trying to kill him. Oh, this is a good time to tell you that if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, please listen to the previous episodes because the story is building up. And if you start from here, you'll probably be confused. Listen to the previous ones. Um, in First Samuel 21... David ran away and he went to meet the priest. And the priest was called Ahimelech. And when he met Ahimelech, he told the priest that, oh, he was hungry and he needed something to eat. And the priest told him that we don't have regular bread. The only bread we have is the holy bread. And the holy bread, the holy bread was supposed to be just for the priest. 
But since there was no other bread available, the priest had to give him. And the condition to eat that bread was that he and his men have to be ceremonially clean, which means that they haven't slept with any woman recently. And because they were ceremonially clean, they were able to eat the bread. And one of the things that stood out to me was when David replied, I never allow my men to be with women when we are on a campaign. And since they stay clean, even on ordinary trips, how much more on this one? And mind you, this is not talking about fornication or anything. Because by this time, David was married. And I want to believe that so were his men. Because, you know, in the Old Testament, they get married really young and all that. And it showed me how David was so intentional, even about the little things. And David really followed God's laws to a fault. And David was not acting in a certain way because of a certain time or whatever. David was always found to be that way, to be clean, to be in alliance with God's laws, to be spotless, to be blameless. And I also think that that would have been one of the reasons why when he made a mistake, God did not punish him the way he punished Saul. You know, I see it as an illustration of this. You have two children. One child is always doing something, always committing offenses, always doing this and always doing that. It will get to a point that you'll be like, I do not kill my mother, so you cannot kill me. Nigerian mother saying. But if you have a child that has always been good, obeyed all your rules and everything that they needed to do and whatnot, when the child finally, or when the child eventually, not finally, or does something wrong, you would want to forgive the child. You want to have compassion on the child because in your head you'd be like, this person doesn't usually act this way. So I believe that David already had a track record right from the very beginning. We've talked about his intimacy. We've talked about his diligence. We've talked about how he carried himself and everything. David had so much beauty track record that even when eventually he messed up with Bathsheba and Uriah and all those things, God forgave him. But we're going to go into that in more details much later um, in this series. So David and his men were ceremonially clean. And it was just because they wanted to honor God. It was just because they, they wanted to do it. So that when they now needed to, it was not a problem. When they needed the food, it was not a problem because they were already ceremonially clean. Now I was reading the book of Leviticus this morning before I started the podcast. And I was looking at the whole drama that has to do with um, when you're not ceremonially clean. And how you can't enter the tabernacle. You can't do this. You can't do that. But David knew. And he he just wanted to avoid stories that touch. Let me put it like that. He didn't have to. There was nothing wrong with married men sleeping with their wives. But just because of the importance of his missions and his campaigns and whatever they do. They were consecrated. One of the other um, versions used the word consecrated. They were constantly consecrated. They were constantly consecrated. Constantly consecrated. 
secondly, um, this part is funny. In verse 10, we see that David escaped Saul and went to King Achish of Gath. I'm not very good at pronouncing these names. And the king was, the officers and the king were unhappy about him being there because they thought he was the king of Israel. And because he was afraid of what King Achish was going to do to him, he pretended to be insane. He pretended to be insane. And it was it was so funny. But I also believe that his pretense to be insane was most likely what saved his life. And what that taught me in application to daily life is you should be quick thinking. You should be quick thinking. I'm not saying go and be doing wrong things. I'm not saying cutting through corners. I'm not saying be a deceitful person. No. But sometimes you need some, like you need to be quick thinking. You need to be quick on your feet. If not, whatever happens to you, you'll be to blame for it. Because the Bible, um, I think Jesus said in one of the Gospels that I'm sending you to the world. Be as be as meek as doves and wise as serpents, if I'm correct. I think that's how it was put. Be as meek as doves and wise as serpents. So as Christians in our daily lives, we're also required to be wise. And that's why the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom. Sometimes the wisdom of the Holy Spirit is to do something you normally would not do. Sometimes the wisdom of the Holy Spirit is what will seem seemingly foolish to other men. That's why Corinthians, Corinthians or Romans, Paul said that he uses the foolish things to confound the wise. Sometimes it might be some very little instructions as Maybe you have two phones. You have a big phone and a small phone. And God is saying, you are going out today. Don't go out to your big phone. Go out with your small phone. Or you are supposed to go to work and you need your laptop in work. And then God tells you, don't carry your laptop today. Drop it at home. It's wisdom to heed to those instructions. Secondly, in chapter 22, we see that David... Um, went to the cave of Adalam and his brothers and his other relatives joined him there because, you know, they were all fugitives. And then verse 2 says that others began coming, men who were in trouble or in debt or who were just discontented until David was the captain of about 400 men. Tell me why 400 men would want to be associated with a fugitive if it's not God's favor. That even in his exile, even in his running away, even in his trying to avoid death, God was still with him. And that influence was still very much in his life. Because as we go further, we see that those men went up to about 600 in, I think, chapter 23. And I think about it and I'm like, God, God, a whole 400 men to someone that did not really have anything at that time. But what he had was the Holy Spirit. He had God, he had a relationship, but he didn't have the Holy Spirit like we do now. 
but he had the anointing of God upon him. And even when it looked like he didn't really have anything physically, even though he wasn't king yet, that anointing still spoke. That anointing still spoke. And much later in Second Samuel, if I'm correct, well, there's going to there's like a part of um of the scriptures where I talked about the mighty men of David and what the men that these four hundred men l- listen to the classification of these four hundred men, either in trouble or in debt, or were just discontented. And later on, we're going to see the kind of exploits these mighty men, because they became, they, they, they went from in debt to discontent, to troubled, to becoming mighty men of David. When you see someone that carries the anointing, even if they don't look like it physically, if God is leading you to follow that person, I beg you, follow that person with everything you have and you know. As long as the person continues to follow Christ, follow the person. Because the anointing would eventually rub off on you. The anointing would eventually rub off on you. And you will find that you've gone from a troubled man or a man in debt to a mighty man. And I know you sometimes you will see some people like they don't have anything. Why 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 do so many people follow them? Why are so many people so intentional about them? My dear, is the anointing no? Is the anointing? The anointing is what makes the difference. And now let's go down to um the aspect of soul. I really don't know, but I think I want like in fact I know soul was insecure. Saul was so insecure. In my opinion, I believe if God had expressly told you, oh, you're not going to be king anymore, what you should be doing is begging God day and night for forgiveness and trying to mend your ways rather than causing more trouble. Because Saul caused a lot of trouble. Saul was so insecure. It didn't matter that David was a good person. It didn't matter that people were loyal to him. He just wanted David to die. And and that's what insecurity does to you. Insecurity will blind you from seeing the good in people and you are so focused on the bad, you can't benefit from the good. Anyway, if you read chapter 22, um, you will see that he Saul was angry at his men and, you know, was trying to get them to tell him where David was. And then in verse 9, you see that Dog the Edomites, who was standing there with Saul's men, spoke up and said, When I was at Nob, I saw the son of Jesse talking to the priest. La, 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 la. Then he said, then he called Ahimelech and his family. That was the priest. And then he said, why have this? Why have you and the son of Jesse conspired against me and this and that? Why have you encouraged him to kill me? Blah 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 blah. And Ahimelech re- responded, "Like, is anyone listen? Is anyone among all your servants as faithful as David, your son-in-law? Remember that at this point, David was his son-in-law because he had married. Um, David had married Saul's last daughter, is Michal, Milkal, or something. Is that's for him? I don't remember the name." And um, he's the captain of your bodyguard and a highly honored member of your household. 
May the king not accuse me and my family in this matter, for I knew nothing at all of any plot against you. Ahimelech, as a priest, was trying to show Saul reasoning, like, oh, it's not really a big deal. You had one seeing things differently. You had one being insecure. But Saul was not ready to see beyond what he thought, and it ended up ruining him because he committed such a grave sin to God. And that is how we are with some of our friends. Let me shake some tables more. Set and you're in a toxic relationship, and everybody except you sees that you're in a toxic relationship. And your friends are trying to warn you that, oh, this guy is not good for you, and this and that, and blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, no, you don't understand, because you're not in love, because you're not in a relationship. And then you end up hitting on the poor friend, because you can't see through what you believe is right. Sometimes we need to calm down, take a chill pill, be calming down, and try to see reason. And if it's hard for you to see reason, you now have the Holy Spirit. Pray for him to show you. He's not, he's not, um, he's not a stranger to our sufferings. You understand? And you, you say, God, ah, this is what this person is saying. I don't know if it's true. Please show me. And he will show you. And another thing that um, stood out to me in this passage was the dangers of having foreigners around you. When God was instructing the Israelites, he told them to do away with foreigners because the foreigners would turn their hearts away from him. If you go down to verse 16, Saul commanded to kill. He ordered his bodyguards to kill the priest. And Saul's men refused to kill the Lord's priest. Saul's men refused to kill the Lord's priest because they knew that it was a grave sin. So they were trying to save him from committing a grave sin. And they didn't kill him. They didn't kill them, rather. They didn't kill the Lord's priest. And then the king said to Dog, Dog was the Edomites. Edomites are descendants of Esau, and Jacob is Israel, the ones with the promise. Esau's descendants are part of the foreigners because they're not a part of the promise. So because Dog was a foreigner, he did not see it as a big deal, and he killed them all that day. He killed 85 priests, still in their priestly garments. Like with his, It's the infantry for me. In their priestly garments, he killed 85 priests. And then he went into the town of the priest, killed all their family, killed their men, killed their women, killed their children, killed their babies, killed their cattle, killed their donkeys, killed their sheep, killed their goats. Uh-uh. Ha! This wickedness is on another level, though. And only one person out of the whole family of Ahimelech could escape. And went to meet David. And David promised to protect him. But because he had a foreigner around him, because he had someone who did not understand the laws of Christ, because he had someone who did not understand how important the family of the priest were, the person helped him to commit a grave sin. And he paid for it later. That's Saul. Saul paid for it later because he died such a pathetic death such a sad death ah 
May God help us not make mistakes that will mar our destinies in Jesus' name. And then finally, it's not really a big deal, but I think it's still very important. In verse 3 of chapter 22, he went to meet the king in Moab and he said, Please allow my father and mother to live here with you until I know what God is going to do for me. So David's parents stayed in Moab with the king during the entire time David was living in his stronghold. David still honored his family. David still honored his parents. It didn't matter that maybe they acted a certain way or maybe they didn't trust in him. It didn't matter that he was a fugitive. It didn't matter that he, he had the anointing of a king. He took care of his parents. He made sure that his parents were safe. He made sure that his parents were covered. He honored his parents. It may not be in monetary form, but he honored by telling, by, by telling a king to protect them until his life was in order. He honored his parents. So when they say honor your parents, it's not just in money or in giving them gifts. You honor them, you cover them, you protect them. You don't speak anyhow to them. You don't treat them anyhow. Honor your parents. It's so important. It's not such a big deal. But if it wasn't important, they wouldn't have put it in the scripture. It's just two verses, three and four. But honoring your parents is so important. And I pray that God helps us in Jesus' name. Because of our time, we can't do more than two chapters. We did just chapter 21 and 22 today. In the next episode, we are going to talk about chapter 23, 24. And if God wills us, we do 25. As you listen to this podcast, don't just listen to mark a calendar or to tick it in the box that you've done it. But reflect on these things and think about it. How do you want it to reflect in your daily life? What are the things you will change going forward? How you begin to act going forward? And I pray that God helps us in Jesus' name. God bless you. See you same time next week. Bye. If you were blessed by today's episode, please follow us on Instagram at The New Dimension, follow us on TikTok at God Dimension, and follow us on Twitter at God Dimension. God bless you and see you soon.